When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there everybody and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today as ever is Mr Samuel Luckhurst. Samuel, how's it going? Very well, thank you Dan. How are you? Um, Rita's rain me. I had a scare this morning when I got locked in my bathroom briefly, but with some good old A-team engineering, I managed to escape with the use of some scissors. So I'm free and available to this podcast, thankfully. It was looking very hairy at one moment. And also with me today, ho- looking like he's locked in some sort of room, but hopefully not as badly as I was, is Mr. Rich Faye. Rich, how's it going? Yeah, it's, if you're watching this on the video, like Murph, I'll do your job for you, that you can watch oh, on yeah. YouTube. It yeah, does but... look like a big sort of uh, industrial pack of toilet rolls over my shoulder, but I can... <laughs> And, uh, I can assure you it's a bed I'm trying to get rid of on Facebook Marketplace, but it is the unmovable bed. Nobody wants it, offering it for free, offering it to neighbours. Nobody is even replying to the messages. So if anyone wants a bed, just let me know, okay? We, we are trying to get rid of it. This could work. Exactly. Listeners, do not say we don't ever do anything for you. If you need a bed, give Rich a little tweet on Twitter and a bed's coming your way. It is a double uh, double split base um, but it's got a lock system it's all good it was all good but I only got rid of it because I wanted a bed with sto- under storage so uh Look at that, and and if you want to see what the bed looks like, just just go over to YouTube. Um, as Rich says, it's Manchester Evening News dash Man United. You can see this podcast in living colour, and you can do a bit of shopping at the same time. What a result that is, and what a result it was, ladies and gentlemen, for Manchester United on Wednesday, three nil over Nottingham Forest in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi final. They got an early lead through Marcus Rashford as his hot form continues. There was a little wobble when it like Sam Surridge had equalised, but it was correctly ruled out for offside and that, that little wobble was ended by White Wegos first goal for United just before the break to kind of kill off the game and Bruno Fernandes perhaps killed off the tie um, in the final minutes of the match with a thumping finish Samuel, how was the game? It was great just to go to the City Crown for the first time you, you might have been there following the mighty Bolton but uh, I the last time United played there was obviously that, that game in 99 that Forest fans are probably sick to death of hearing about but it was it was a good setup there. Uh, at, the atmosphere wasn't that great really because of the timing of both of United's goals in the first half. The first one came so quickly. Uh, terrific run from Rashford, who practically petrified Worrell into allowing him to have that one-on-one. And then the second one, right at the end of half time, uh, sorry, just before half time, when when Forrest had had a good fifteen or twenty-minute spell and had got the crowd up at that point, um, that that really did kill the game the uh, that night. And then, as you said, with Fernandez's goal coming in in the 89th or the 90th minute, that's that's practically killed the tie. Uh, Steve Cooper afterwards was resigned to that without saying it. He was he was very realistic about Forrest's chances going into the second leg. For United, it comes at a good time in the this week after two um, disappointing uh, results in the league last week. They've got cup games. They've won one very convincingly. They should beat Reading. And then with the Forest second leg on Wednesday, they can rest a couple of more 
uh, players you would think um, ahead of resuming the Premier League uh, schedule against Palace next Saturday, and then it's those uh, th- that enticing uh, double header against Leeds, and then it's a double header against Barcelona. So this this period is pretty crucial, really, in terms of squad management, and that was chiefly down to the result in midweek. It was, uh, I suppose, from United fans' perspective, it was uh, refreshing to actually go away from home and, and win convincingly. That was the first time they'd won a domestic away game by, by more than one goal and they needed to buck that trend sooner rather than later. Forest was always a good opportunity to do that and also um, it was it, it was a better result than it possibly appeared. I mean, Forest not only 13th in the Premier League now, they, they hadn't lost at home, but which was um, which certainly surprised somebody mentioned it to me at the ground, but it was overall a good night for United and from a, a journalistic perspective, good as well, quite an easy one to cover and that the game was won uh, quickly and uh, Ty Ty got their course in the in the mix zone afterwards. So I think every box was ticked as far as that was concerned. Absolutely, it was certainly a good afternoon. And and Rich, you know, the, the, they're not in the final yet, even though they pretty much are, and they still have a final to win, of course. And it it could be a difficult game if Newcastle kind of finish off the job they started um, on Tuesday. But if United do, the Carabao Cup's often maligned, often looked down upon, but as we've seen, City have shown um, over the last few years, it's a really important trophy to win um, for winning teams because it just breeds that sort of hunger, that desire, um, that kind of will to win. And if you look at when United last won a trophy in 2017, um, they won the League Cup first before then going on to win um, the Europa League under Jose Mourinho. So... It's a really important step for United, and to finally get to get that monkey off the back for Ten Hag so early. Should should they go on and win it? Of course, should they go on and get to the final? Would be massive, and you know that's probably why he, he continues to name really strong teams in these games and has done all tournament. Even though you'd probably think there'll be a few changes. Yeah, I mean United are in no position to pick and choose what trophies they want to win, are they? They haven't won one like you said there since 2017, and you know under Solskjaer, it, the, the fact they lost that final against. Uh, Villarreal you know you always think what could have been otherwise they also lost in the semi-final of the Europa League and United just then had this mentality of being a team who just weren't quite finished who were losers really a team that weren't winning trophies at all and United this season look at what they could have won or what they can win they, they've never been or never will want to win the Premier League so they only had three trophies they could actually win there's always going to be mitigation there's going to be a bit of luck in terms of your draw who you get if there's injuries um, into how far you can go in the cup competition so it's difficult to ever plan a cup run and say this is the priority we've got to win this so teams are always going to be a bit cautious when they when they sort of set out ambitions to win the cup because if United said we want to win the League Cup and they got City in the third round well that dream could have died there and then so you always have to be a bit cautious but like you said, winning breeds success and it can be a springboard for, for further success. And for me as well, particularly following the team from the lower leagues, I just do not know how any team can poo-poo the chance of winning a trophy, particularly in the modern age where they've got so many players at their disposal. United could change their eleven and still have a real good chance of getting to the quarterfinals, last four of any cup competition domestically. So I think United just need to give it their all now. They're going to be the favourites to win it. They've got to deal of that pressure and I suppose that has been the pressure that they are yet to sort of cope with under Ten Hag there still has been this element of being the underdogs and proving a lot of people wrong uh, this season so if they want to get that mindset of being the top team in England again then they have to deal with with winning under pressure and like you said it looks like United have one foot in the final I think from the neutral point of view it'd be great to see them against Newcastle Newcastle the only team I think in Europe, in the top European leagues this season have kept 
more clean sheets than United. So it's going to be really interesting if that is to be the final. Of course, they drew 0-0 earlier in the season, so you'd expect it to be quite a, a tight game. But from United's point of view, it couldn't have gone much better in midweek. Mm-hmm. And it certainly couldn't have gone much better, Samuel, for Vergast. He gets his first goal. And it's been interesting to see how he's fitting in well um, at United so far. Three games, three starts. I don't think, obviously, the Martial injuries kind of changed things, but I don't think any of us expected when he, it was clear he was coming in through the door, him to be starting quite as regularly as he has been. But he's, he's fitting quite well to the team. He, he isn't the kind of lumbering target man being signed by the old Burnley might suggest. He's much more wanting the ball on his feet. And it looks like he's really bring, um, helping the like so Rashford and Anthony who will come on to as well I kind of get involved more his link up play seems really really sharp he is the cliche uh, good touch for a big man really but I, even I was surprised by just how um, on point if you like his his link up play is uh, the, the, the touch is always measured they're always quite prompt it's often one touch very rarely two touch which obviously is aligned with what Ten Hag wants in, in that area of the pitch. And I suppose up until he got the goal, United were, he, he was quite a reliable funnel for United to go through. It was quite smooth, but the tap was turned off because he, he wasn't looking like a goal threat. But he took his goal pretty well the other night um, and, and the, all of a sudden the tap was turned on. I mean, it, it, it was a, an easy finish, but he was in the right area. He was ahead of Anthony. That's that's what you need from a striker. And as, as Ten Hag said afterwards, strikers are always going to be judged on, on whether they're scoring or not. And they would have got to a point with Vekhorst had he gone... I don't know four or five games without a goal, where all of a sudden you wonder, well, you know, what's his purpose in the team? But they've got a couple of players like that. Ten Hag said earlier in the week that United are a better team with Anthony, which I, I, I agree with. And but there had been issues with with Anthony's form up until I'd say the Forest game, where he was much improved, and there are more variations about his play. And it's the same that applies to the other Anthony and Martial, in that when United have him. The, the coaching staff uh, really admire his, his pressing triggers. Uh, that's not necessarily shared by by the match-goers. They got uh, annoyed a couple of times during the derby a couple of weeks ago because Marshall wasn't pressing Edison when they thought he should have been. But that's that's an aspect of his game that United really rate. And, of course, he is he is a more mobile uh, forward than, than Vekos. But when you look at Marshall's injuries this season and the amount of games he's missed recently as well, that's that's maybe up for debate. But he he is always, as long as he's fit, you would think he will always start ahead of Vekos. The trouble is, when he has started consistently he has been inconsistent and he's not been as um, reliable in front of goal as he was during those sporadic appearances uh, earlier in the season when he was either getting a goal or he was either getting an assist so there are a few players like that but for Veghorst to have fit in as quickly as he has done mid-season has to be a bonus because sometimes a, a mid-season addition uh, you know there have been plenty of tales of, of players uh, disrupting the balance of a team for United most recently uh, Alexis Sanchez would have been one because he was another left winger and they already had two quite young at the time left wingers in Martial and Rashford and it meant one would have to go to the right or Sanchez would have to go to the right and the, the, the rhythm of the team was 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 compromised and and, and the balance was as well. So with Vekhorst, he knows his plays. He he said to 
Ty afterwards and, and, and other colleagues who spoke to him in the mix zone that he would like to stay permanently, which is, is an obvious thing for him to say. And you could certainly see some merit in, in keeping him on a permanent basis as long as United do get in a long-term uh, number nine who's, who's going to be playing ahead of him. And they've already got one in Marshall, but... Uh, he's he's proven to be far too brittle and his injury issues do extend uh, I think they date back to pretty much almost two years towards the end of the 2020-21 season he missed a, a large chunk of that running yeah um, I, I agree I wrote the same myself today actually how Weghorst from what if he continues playing like he is doing there'd be nothing wrong with signing him permanently um, he's a different option seems to be an experienced head seems to be a good character in the dressing room that is already kind of forging bonds with his teammates I believe he said something about um, how he's like really getting on with Rashford and you can kind of see that and how they link up on the pitch but it needs to be if he does sign as you say Samuel he can't be the only striker obviously I mean United have been stuck in this kind of self-perpetuating cycle for the last well going on three, year, three years now ever since they signed Agallo as a short-term option then they got Cavani as a short-term option then they got Ronaldo as a short-term option and it's, and now Ten Hag has had no choice but to keep the cycle going with Weghorst given, given Ronaldo's exit Rich so it wouldn't be at all a bad idea if he did stay and he's looked so good so far but he can't obviously cannot be the only one they can't afford to not get that striker that they've desperately needed for a few years in, in the summer no, and you'd say United need two forwards this this summer definitely, and like you said, I think it makes sense for Veghorst to be one of them. Uh, it was interesting that last week or earlier this week, sorry, uh, Ten Hag said that United play their best football of Anthony Marshall. Of course, he's been absent for was it eighteen of their games already this season. He's unreliable in terms of goals and availability. So you'd say that if United play their best football of Marshall, then this summer they should be buying an upgrade on Marshall, maybe a more mobile striker, someone who does sort of link up with that fluid forward play that we saw in pre-season. And then you have Veghorst who offers a bit di- something a bit different in, in reserve there. So you'd probably maybe argue that United's priority this summer is to sign a, a Marshall upgrade, a, a, someone who can do his job really. And then, I mean, again, I, I know that Ten Hag says he's a big fan of Marshall, but what's this, eight years now he's been at United, he's getting into testimonial territory, still what he's had, one one a year, one, one year, one and a half, two years max of good football at United. It's just no other team, no other top club in Europe would stick by him this long. And if United have genuine aspirations of going to the next level, then I'm sorry, but Anthony Martial just can't cut it anymore because he's just so unreliable. Yes, he's great on this day. We all know that. We all know how good he can be but he's just not good enough, regular enough. So United need to move on. They can't be you know, nostalgic about this. They've got to be ruthless. And I'm encouraged that Ten Hag will make those decisions, that the, the hard ones to make. And for me, on the on the striker front, Veghorst has, like we said, done enough. Good option to have in reserve. No harm in that. But they need a serious elite striker still. And for me, it would make sense to move Marshall on and get one of those in um, and have him and Veghorst. Have, have you written that piece yet, Rich? I basically wrote that in, in a way this morning, saying that Ten Hag's hinted at the type of striker he wants. If he says if he says Marshall is the striker he wants the most in the team and they play best of him, they need someone in that mould. But yeah, maybe I need to wait for Marshall to fire another blank and then I can really uh, hammer home that he needs to leave. But but maybe maybe I'll save that for the podcast now. Uh, 
I think the agonizing thing is with Martial, as you say there, we know he's good. We know, you know, I know it's the, a long few months ago now, but the start of the season when he was on the field, he was starting so well, he was playing so well, scoring. Um, and that's the issue in it. Like, you hold on to that hope and it's the hope that kills you. And I kind of agree. It's hard to, it's hard to see United building long-term success around Martial because he's not reliable enough. And another player who's kind of, who was in danger of kind of going into that inconsistent territory, Samuel, was Anthony. He's moved in the summer and obviously takes time to adapt coming from the Eredivisie and whatnot. But I think there was definitely an air of frustration growing around him. Was it in the Arsenal game he missed a really good chance? And it was that kind of tone of groan from old, um, from from the fans where you can just tell like, oh, come on, you should be doing better there and why can't you use your right foot and stuff? There was those grumblings kind of coming out and I think judgments were being made on Anthony. Ten Hag, as you've mentioned, said he, he's, he's, he's good for the team but he needs to kind of play better um, individually and as you say, he, he finally kind of had a bit of a better display against Forest. He was and it, it was interesting that that clip of Arteta talking about wingers and where they should be positioned when they receive the ball went viral after the Arsenal game because that's what they do what Arsenal do with Saka and what United were doing with Anthony was the opposite in that he's, his back was to the touchline he wasn't facing goal he was limited as to what he could do I think Gary Neville said in his podcast afterwards that Anthony was was predictable and I think he probably echoed a lot of if not the majority of United supporters in, in their view of him at that point um, He's he doesn't look the quickest either but at Forest he he did mimic I and Robin and, and Robin is is proof that being predictable can also be uh, irrepressible if you are quick enough on the ball and you're direct enough and Anthony was more like that uh, against Forest and the, the two opportunities he had he should have scored when he went through and he just didn't get the elevation on it to, to be um to beat Wayne, Wayne Hennessy and when with Veghorst's goal he occupies that zone that Fernandez is usually in to tee himself up for the volley and Hennessy parries it out and, and Veghorst puts it in so he's, his performance was there were a lot more variations with his performance against Forest. and I, I mean I asked Ten Hag about about his form on, on Tuesday and Ten Hag said quite quite legitimately that United are better with Anthony in the team but he did need to do um, he, he can do even better I think was the quote that he used and he did say he needs to be more direct and, and what time I noticed at, at Selhurst Park last week which the, the press box is pretty much adjacent with um, with with the end that, that United were attacking in the first half was that Anthony was collecting the ball probably on the halfway line so too deep really and he was just running down the line Tyrant Mitchell was doing a very vigilant job there of keeping Anthony on his right foot and if he's doing that he's just running into a cul-de-sac and so he didn't really get anywhere against Palace and one of the best pieces of play he's done all season was at Wolves where he came inside he switched the play to Garnacho, and then he moved into the area and he got on the end of Garnacho's cross and he probably should have scored it was it was quite a tame header that went straight to Jose Sarr so he has got the potential to do it but he just doesn't do it enough and I look back at the quotes Ten Hag gave after Anthony scored against Everton at Goodison when obviously you know, he, he matched this record of scoring his first three Premier League games and he was actually quite critical of his um, contribution but in a very constructive way and everything he said that he needed that he needs to do that night he still needs to do but he did take literal steps in the right direction at Forest and that he was getting the ball on the half turn he was facing goal he was a lot quicker with the ball at his 
feet. And he wasn't up against a, a slouch of a left-back either in, in Renan Lodi. I know something has clearly gone wrong for him to be on loan at Forest from Atletico Madrid, but it wasn't even a year ago that he was absolutely outstanding for Atletico in both of their Champions League ties against United. Uh, so he's, he's no mug, even though something, as I say, has, has clearly gone all right for him to have gone from, from Madrid to, to Nottingham. But he's a quality left-back. And so, as I said, steps in the right direction for Anthony in a, in a literal case. And he, he needs to maintain that, though, now. Because, as I say, I think watching him this season, he's probably not produced a genuine 8 out of 10 performance yet. He's had a couple of good performances. Tottenham always springs to mind. But that was a night where just about everybody uh, played brilliantly in a United shirt. So the scrutiny was inevitable after last week and two disappointing results and him being substituted in both of them and of course United overspent on him so that's not his fault but that is always going to generate a bit more attention around his form Absolutely. Well, another winger, Rich, who's kind of making steps in the right direction is Facundo Palestra. He came in for just his second United appearance over two years since joining uh, the club against Forest, and he got a bit of a longer chunk than he did against Charlton, about 20 minutes here, more than the six he did in that match. Didn't manage to get an assist this time, but nearly did when he put in a great delivery for Weghorst, whose header just didn't quite go in. Um, played himself into trouble a few times, um, kind of losing the ball in a few dangerous areas, but promising and it seems like Ten Hag has kind of inclinated that he'll be staying at the club now at least for the rest of the season if he continues to make progress hey, it gives United just so many more options that he, Ten Hag maybe didn't actually have a few weeks ago you know Alanga coming on to get a great assist as well for that third goal Palestri if he can kind of come in and keep making good com- uh, contributions no matter kind of what level of opponent it is it's just good for United that they do have a lot more options they can use and Ten Hag can depend on when they perhaps didn't have when you know when you look back to when Ronaldo left in December it was kind of panic stations a little bit it looked like United had nothing but Palestri's he's not done anything amazing yet don't don't you know don't let's not get ahead of ourselves or anything but he's certainly um showing he can contribute it's certainly early days isn't it I mean like you said it's half an hour of competitive first team football he's got under his belt so there's a measure of you know you need to ease the expectations there and of course the two games he's come on in have already been won so you know he is a different environment when you go onto a game and, and you have that freedom to run at a tired defense and you can you know just play with confidence against a defense who are down on their luck really so the next test for him has to be to to start a game um, you'd like to think that will come maybe across the next two matches you'd perhaps say that the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final is the more obvious one because there's a free goal cushion there whereas Reading this weekend is a game that United will probably go stronger than most fans would have liked because you know it's still going to be one of those games where you've got to pay respect to the opponent you can't get complacent I think Palestri certainly has something different to offer doesn't he he's a He's a very contrasting winger to, to that of Anthony, who is inverted, likes to link up, likes to you know cut inside and have a shot goal himself, whereas Palestri, he likes to do that as well to a degree, but he's someone who likes to hug the byline as well, take men on and uh, get crosses into the box. So it's definitely good to have an alternative on the right wing. And it's fas- fascinating for United that the dynamic of selling Ahmad and Palestri and wondering if either of them had a future at United, they're now both effectively fighting to be the backup option on the right wing next season. It's a really interesting sort of dynamic there, both doing 
doing well and playing the best football of their senior career, really. So Palestri has work to do. Like I said, I would like to see him start a game and get a better and fairer sort of assessment of how, just how good he really is. But yeah, you, you can't poo what he's done so far. There's a, there's a lot of positives to take. He looks like a lively, hard-working winger. It would have been a real shame had he left the club this month permanently or on loan and we hadn't seen him make his debut for United it's testament to him that he stayed professional throughout that that period of time he's had a real good work ethic and an approach he's not been kicking up too much fuss and now he's got his chance and he's taken it like I said I think you need to ease expectations it's half an hour of football so we can't get too carried away but certainly um, exciting and certainly uh, a role to play over the coming weeks Absolutely, it'll be interesting to see. And, and finally, on, on the 3 0 win, Samuel, I know you wanted to kind of give some praise to Lissandro Martinez, who's looking like he's really getting back in the groove now after uh, a few weeks waiting to get back into the team after his World Cup celebrations. He's He's been one of the signings of the season, and uh, as far as a Premier League team of the year goes, you'd probably have him in there with with Saliba and, and United are fortunate that they've got one of the, the best partnerships around in, in Martinez and, and Varane I thought Martinez was, was United's best player at Arsenal he, he got the man of the match against Forest in midweek deservedly so there uh, it was a matter of time as you say until he was going to get reintegrated into the team I think Ten Hag even said he was he was building him up uh, when I think it might have been around the derby or just after the derby because he, he came on later than intended. He was due to come on at 1-0 and then he eventually came on with United 2-1 up. But as as far as you know, Ten Hag's hit rate goes, uh, if, if he was to ever want to make a case why he should be backed, Martinez is the perfect example of that because he played under him. There were eyebrows raised over the fee. Uh, Obviously, everybody is aware of the post-mortem at Brentford and his his height did matter that day. They they did get undone at a set piece, and, and but there are a few teams like Brentford and uh, that the size hasn't mattered since. And however, what, the way he operates, it's just extremely impressive. And he's he's been a, a bit of a cult figure among the fan base for a few months now. But looking at the, the first goal at the time Rashford's goal in midweek I, I, I remember at the time uh, Malassia was trying to tell Martinez to play it safe and I think if the ball was with another centre-back they'd have gone back to the goalkeeper but he waited he waited uh, for that little opening to come up and then he was able to play the ball forward set United on their way and a few seconds later they're they're 1-0 up so although Rashford rightly got the the bulk of the credit for for another fine piece of, of play by him it was also um it was it was underpinned by by martinez weight of that opportunity and showing that adventure to to get the ball forward and get united onto the attack absolutely well it's one foot in the final for united and they'll be looking to take a step in getting to another one on saturday when they take on 14th place championship side reading um, paul Ince back at old trafford bringing the royals to manchester and um yeah it's, a, it's another annoying late kick off for United you can't just have a three o'clock that would be a sacrilege wouldn't it but it looks like it could be an interesting match for United Rich it'll be intriguing to see what sort of team Tenard goes for as you mentioned yourself there he, he, the Dutchman tends to name a very kind of strong side he hasn't really changed much you know a Van der Beek here or Lindelof there aside he doesn't really tend to make sounds like a nursery rhyme that almost <laughs> listen I don't want to end up on football sounds like Donald had a farm actually sounds like the, the bridge to that you're going to get me off 
football cliches. I don't I don't need that dubious honour in my life. So let's end that there. He doesn't like to swap his teams that much, but um, especially in the weekend sense. But will we see many areas? So we it's obviously a, a, a you know a mid-table dwelling championship team. Could we see um, maybe Iqbal coming in here or Palestri, Menu, Ganacho? You'd like to think um, maybe even Harry Maguire, and of course. Um, Jaden Sancho might be involved for the first time in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think every United fan will want to see the youngsters given a chance, but my inclination will probably be that they'll they'll feature from the bench because Ten Hag, like we said, has so many senior players in reserve who aren't getting minutes either that you'd say that maybe they're the priority of, of getting minutes under their belts. In goal, it could see a change. I know we've seen... Uh, a few sort of rotations in the cup competitions already. You've got Butland and Heat in there, both deserve to, to be playing in these sort of matches. In defence, the fullback situation, there's not really any scope for, for rotation there because Dallow's been ruled out and Shaw is still a, a, a doubt. Centre backs, Maguire, Lindelof, maybe. They're a partnership who at least know how to, to play alongside each other and you can rest. The, the sort of big hitters for, for the league schedule that's coming up and you'd probably say that's the same in midfield where Fred and McTominay might be the sort of reluctant choice because they are used to playing alongside each other and the fact is that Bruno Fernandes is one booking away from a suspension so if you're going to drop a, a senior midfielder it'd probably be Casemiro and him and you'd probably play Ericsson in the maybe more advanced role where he's not really impressed at United so far he's been much better when he's played, played deeper I, I thought and up front Again, you're quite limited in terms of senior striking options there. Veghorst surely will need a rest at some point. Rashford, he's playing so well now. The temptation is to drop him, but I'm not sure he'll actually want to be dropped. He'll just want to score as many goals as he can. He might be better off the bench. Garnacho, you'd expect him to start. We mentioned Palestri, but you wouldn't be surprised if Alanga started over him and he, he just doesn't look like scoring goals at all like we said it's nearly a year since he did last score in the first team for United so I've got a feeling that it'll be the sort of senior players who are who are involved and on Sancho I can't see him being thrown right back in from the start I mean there's always going to be a bit of ambiguity about how successful his sort of training period's been how fit he is now uh, physically uh, if he's up to the challenge of being thrown in from the start it won't do him any favours if he's rushed back when he's not quite up to it I think they need to ease him back for his own sake really because if he starts against Reading takes a while to sort of bed in then he could be at square one again where fans are getting on his back people asking what was the point of having all this time off so I'd I'd ease Sancho back into to proceedings getting up to speed over the next few weeks and then maybe you're in a position to, to unleash him but yeah I've just got a feeling it's going to be one of those boring FA Cup Saturday night games and you you built it up more excited than, than I am because let's put it this way if I wasn't at the game there's no way I'd be watching it You're excited for Sunday Rich aren't you? Yeah, magic of the cup, magic of the cup on Sunday, where we get to watch a, a proper. It's all about the race course on Sunday. Exactly, and that is one championship team I'm looking forward to watching: Sheffield United rather than Reading, because I mean, in the last round, Wrexham had Coventry, and I didn't realise they were a championship team till the draw was made, and it was a great win, a great away day, but it wasn't very glamorous. No, but at least you've got cup ties to go to, mate. So chin up, eh? Chin up, uh, Samuel. What have you made of this kind of Sancho? Um, the whole situation it's quite a unique one to for a manager just to when there's not really a specific injury just to take and it's quite um, I think it's quite a smart thing to do he's taken the player out of the firing line completely given him as much time as he can possibly need to get fit and ready either physically or mentally and it's quite as I say it's quite a unique um, approach to 
managing a player and hopefully it'll bear fruit. I think it I think it's consistent with how Ten Hag's been doing things in that he's not quite as orthodox as every other manager, but literally pretty much every single thing he's done so far has proven to be correct. Staff have spoken quite highly of, of Sancho. They've not seen him as, as a problem or, or anything like that. And the, the way it was told to me was that Ten Hag pretty much had a chat with him and said, look, what, what do you need? What can I do for you? And they they agreed on uh, this, this curated uh, training programme in, in the Netherlands. Ten Hag recommended some coaches out there. I'm not sure exactly how long he was out there, but... He first travelled to the Netherlands in, I think it was late November, and he was still there in December whilst United were in Spain for, for their training camp. So he was probably there for at least a couple of weeks, maybe maybe three weeks. And it, it has been a long wait for him to come back into the team. Certainly when I was at Carrington to interview Fernandez a couple of weeks ago, it, it I was I was on this balcony just being shown to this room and there were a couple of players on, on bikes in the gym and one of them looked to be him and that was an indication that he was still not back in squad training. He has been training, uh, doing ball work, training with teammates for, for over a week now. So this is a logical opportunity to reintegrate him back into the squad. I certainly agree with Rich that starting him is, is out of the question and going off the way Ten Hag... Uh, replied to questions about Sancho today I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance of that either um, and, and the way that managers go about reintegrating a player back into the team it, it, it very rarely happens that, that all of a sudden a, a player who's not played for three months is is back in the starting 11 that they, they are they, they do tend to be eased back in and it's been a long wait for Sancho he's not played since October the 22nd that that draw at Chelsea and I'm not sure the the clocks had even gone back at that point so that's how long we're we're talking and it's clearly there there's there must be another issue but you have to respect the privacy and of the individual and he's fully entitled to that and and Ten Hag has spoken about uh it, it being a physical issue and a mental issue um, from what I was told Ten Hag was prepared to be more candid about why Sancho was was out of the fold for so long but was clearly advised against it or that there was certainly an element of confidentiality about it which he's he's fully respected so sometimes you are limited as to how much you can cover a certain player and you are pretty much just reliant on what the manager says about him at a press conference and Sancho has been has been topical for quite some time now certainly we asked about him in in Spain I think it became more of a story clearly when he wasn't in the training squad that went out to, to Cadiz because the expectation was that he would it would be that he would train the Netherlands and he would go to Spain. It didn't work out that way. And so this has been a long gestating period for him to come back into the team. And there's always going to be greater interest around um certainly in this country, around an England international and, and one who who didn't get in the World Cup squad but was one of those three players who unfortunately didn't convert their penalty in the shootout of, of the Euros final defeat to to Italy in, in, in 2021. You only have to look at 
Saka and Rashford, how they're playing at the moment. And it's it's fair to say that their form is, is world-class, whereas Sancho has, has not played in, in three months. So it's, it's going very well for a couple of players, but not so well for him. But it's easy to forget that this time last year, Rash, Rashford was not in a... A very good way at all form wise and we thought we was he was gonna you know be able to uh kick start his season with a couple of goals against Brentford and and West Ham and it didn't it, it didn't turn out to be that way he he didn't actually score again uh, for the rest of the season so there is still time for Sancho to have an impact on this season you only have to go back to last year he had a brilliant spell in February and March that was by far and away his his best spell of form and and that came after a little uh, a little break where he missed a couple of games because it, there was a bereavement in his family then it was the January internationals that was an extra two weeks he came back refreshed he was a lot more urgent in his play and he played consistently well for a good a good six week period I would say and they need that level of performance from him now and if they've got that then it's another it's another option on both sides Rashford's an immovable object but certainly with with Anthony quite fitful still it it would be worth seeing how Sancho gets on the right hand side uh, what sort of starting 11 do you expect to see in that case Heaton probably will come in, but as I said, as, as Rich said, sorry, uh, Wambasaka, you have to play him because Dallow's still out. I don't think Shaw will necessarily be risked if he is still unwell. I think politically it's probably smart to start Harry Maguire because nobody knew that a Manchester United captain was suspended for a semi-final in midweek until uh, someone from Manchester United told us after we'd all seen the squad walk past and I won't mention his name but one one of my colleagues said oh there were no surprises there and I was like yeah no, none at all and then I thought well I didn't I didn't actually see Luke Shaw and I didn't see Harry Maguire either so it's 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 not great that Maguire has become that peripheral unfortunately for him that none of us know about a suspension or none of us recognise that he's not arrived with the squad but you compare to Casemiro when he got his booking against Palace and it was like the world had ended for United when when Maguire got booked against Charlton clearly the broadcasters didn't didn't make note of it and, and very few journalists well certainly no journalists made note of the fact that he was he was suspended I, I think somebody else said it wasn't even mentioned on the, the Carabao Cup's official website which you would imagine it would be so I think Maguire has to come in and, and it's probably time for McTominay and Fred I don't think they've actually started together since the Brighton game Ten Hag's done a, a pretty good job of resisting that uh, for almost the entirety of the season but it's Reading in the cup. You, you'd think, you know, well, it, it should be pretty safe there. But other options, as I said, with as, as Rich said, sorry, Fernandez probably has to start because there isn't an alternative um, to play at number ten with Van der Beek out for the season. Uh, certainly not a, a recognisable one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll certainly be intrigued to see how that game goes down on Saturday. But just one more thing before we bring this episode to a close. Um, the transfer window hasn't been the most eventful for United. Of course, Jack Butland and Vite Vegast have come through the door. But the window has just got a few more days left to run, Rich. And it looks like, while it's unlikely to be much in the term of anything in terms of incomings to Old Trafford, they'll 
probably be some more outgoings. There's been a few um, club prospects already head out on loan in the last week. Uh, Charlie Savage has gone to Forest Green. Uh, Duncan Ferguson's Forest Green. We should hastily add. I wonder why their manager got sacked. And uh, Shola Charitere has... Uh, apparently, it's actually Shola Shortire. That's how the Bolton announcer announces it. And that's how he said it on an Instagram post announcing his signing. So I think... Well, I certainly may have been saying it wrong all this time. So I can only apologise. He has gone to Bolton Wanderers, Rich. And it looks like more will be heading out the door before the window closes. Go on, Murph. You take the you take the, the Bolton platform now, and you tell us you you tell us how Shortire Shortire has been doing. I tell you what, he uh, he made his debut against Derby. We lost Bolton. Lost. I'm a Bolton fan. Full disclosure. Sorry, don't don't lynch me, please. And he made his first start against Forest Green, and he was very impressive. And you know, speaking solely as a kind of Bolton fan, we sold. Uh, Best star player, uh, Dapo Afalayan, to St. Pauli. If you're going to go to any club, at least it's them. And Afalayan was brought in to replace him. And it was quite a... To get a kid who's played five, is it? Eight senior appearances and none for quite a while um, to replace your best player was quite, um, as a fan, quite a kind of deflating one. But he came in to start against Forest Green, a bit of an injury crisis up front for Bolton. And he did really well, surprisingly so. Uh, you know, his first senior his first senior start, full stop, I believe. He um, In the first half an hour when Bolton still had 11 men, he was really surprisingly really good on the ball, I thought. Really quick, really going, um, moved in deep, was quick on the turn, bringing it forward. Some nice through balls for the attackers. Uh, Bolton play a 3-5-2 but still try and play quite attacking and he he did really well um, in that kind of attacking midfield role really nice on the ball but I think what was even more impressive and uh, Ian Everett the manager said as much as well afterwards Bolton went down to 10 men on the half an hour mark and I couldn't believe it an actual real life scene in my own eyes a case of mistaken identity as Elias Kachunga Elias Kachunga punched um, a Forest Green defender in the stomach and Dion Charles the goal scorer got dismissed I couldn't believe it. Um, and um, in then, you know, when Bolton were down to 10 men back against the wall, he really put in a shift. He stayed on the pitch for the next 40 minutes, I want to say, and put in a real um, real kind of defensive display, was dug in deep in the midfield, putting some good challenges. And already, you know, he's still only 18. I think it's easy to quite forget that. He made his debut so young. Um, and I think... Uh, maybe a few people had, probably me included had kind of written his chances off written his chances at United off just because he'd made his debut so young had the had the limelight hoisted upon him and to never never do anything else pretty much afterwards you kind of think oh you know Maynou comes in Ganacho comes in um, Alanga comes in all of them overtake him you kind of think he's kind of in the discarded pile but um, he's come in his first senior appearance, and he's he's done really well. If he can continue to kick on in that regard, there, there might be a there might be a good chance for him yet. But as I was asking you before, you put the limelight on me. Um, he's probably not going to be the only one to leave before the for the deadline day tolls. No, like you said, there it is relentless the production line at United that uh, a, a new youngster comes around every two three months or so, don't they? And last summer it was Iqbal. He was the the hot property, and now it's Maynu in the same position, a slightly different role. But yeah, you can quickly become sort of last week's news uh, in terms of the youth system. But they're, they're all highly rated, and United are very aware that different players take different times to sort of bloom and to reach their potential. So 
what United are, are saying and what the word is that you know anyone who leaves this month has to be getting regular minutes. Otherwise, there's no point sending them out on loan. You might as well keep them for the youth team and oversee their development yourself. And I'd say the one most likely to leave before deadline day is Charlie McNeil. He really wants to get out and, and play some proper football. But people next close to him have said that you know it is all about playing. They're not too bothered about what level he goes to. They want League One or League Two if they can. But it's understood there was a bit of I think even Championship lower end championship interest in him but he wasn't going to be playing every week he's not going to be trusted to be put into a relegation dogfight so it's not a healthy environment for him to actually play in so for United anyone who leaves has to be matched with a club that is similar to United in terms of playing style but they have to be promising them and assuring them that they're going to be playing every week otherwise there's just no point going out and Iqbal's an interesting one because you know it's believed there's an interest from him to get out and play some football but United are very coy to actually let him go because as Ten Hag's hammered home and he said in his press conference on, on Friday you know they have a lot of games coming up and they need to use this squad and there could be roles and it only takes United one suspension one injury and Iqbal will suddenly be relied upon on the bench more so and he could be getting some game time as well the other ones Deshaun Bernard who you forget is even around at the moment I think he's 22 or 23 he's not even a youngster anymore Bjorn Hardley is another one who could leave. He's someone who's sort of gone under the radar. And I'm told that there's other players, maybe smaller sort of academy players, less known players who, who could go out, similar to Oyedele, who went to Altrincham on these sort of kind of work experience loans where they can, because it's not the Football League, they can play for a non-league team but still play for United at youth level and still train there. So I'm told there could be a couple more of them that, that go through if, if, it, if it sort of comes off, but they've, they've got to be very specific deals because they've got to be playing for a non-league team who can give them minutes, but then also have the option of playing for United at academy level as well. So they're not easy to, to sort of organise those loans, but United would be interested in a few more. And I think that's it, really. I mean, Samuel can maybe fill you in on first-team departures, um, but... It, it, it's just there's a lot of variables really and again United's point of view is they've got so many games coming up that they don't really need to get rid of anyone Brandon Williams would like to get out on loan it, I suppose his situation is some, somewhat complicated in that a fullback has been taken ill another fullback is injured so at the moment he's his third choice fullback which he, he probably wouldn't have thought was ever going to be a possibility but that's just how quickly things can change in football realistically though he's he's not going to get a kick or hardly get a kick between now and the end of the season sure is, is he's only been unwell Dallow you would think may, maybe before the end of the month um, sorry not before the end of the month the start of next month he, he should be okay the, the, the word isn't that his is that his, his muscular injury isn't exactly long term maybe they didn't do as, as great a job reintegrating him back into the team given that he had been out for about three weeks I think it was after doing his hamstring during the World Cup but Williams needs games he, he played relatively regularly in the Premier League last season I certainly don't think he would get a Premier League loan at this stage and although he has been fit for a couple of months now He's not exactly been involved with United a great deal. He, he came on very late on against Burnley in the League Cup last month, but I, I highly doubt many people recall that. I, I certainly had completely forgotten that until I looked at his soccer-based stats this week and realised that he had actually played one game this season. And with Iqbal, he's another one who'd like to go out on loan. Again, the club... Are, the compelling case for him is that Kobe Maynard is effectively... 
overtaken him in the midfield packing order and he made his full debut uh, against Charles in the previous round of the League Cup you'd have thought that was the incentive for United to say okay he can go out on loan and the word plateau has been used about Iqbal's development that they they don't see a problem with him training with the first team again he's another player who's still 19 I believe so he's not I think people think he's probably older than that because he made his debut 13 months ago under Rangnick and he went on the pre-season tour as well and he has trained with the first team for pretty much the entirety of the season but it is getting to the point where he's starting to think that his position is, is, is to the detriment of his development in that there have been some under-21 games this season that he's been pulled out of because he might be needed for the first team and then when the first team have played the next night he's not been included in the squad he's been the 21st man effectively so I don't really see the harm in letting him go out on loan especially as they've got they've they've got Maynard around now he's he's pretty much fully uh, permanently in the first team squad uh, given that he's, he's been training with them all, all the time it feels like since the the training camp in Spain and he was he was getting a look in a little bit before then so beyond Williams and, and Iqbal I can't really see many other outgoings on loan Ten Hag said in relation to Palestri today, he said that him coming on against Forrest was was a signal effectively that he was going to stay. If you go off that logic, Elanga also came on. There was and has been interest in him, but the fact that he came on midweek would indicate that he's going to stick around. And also one of the, probably the most interesting club in taking him on loan were Everton. And of course, unsurprisingly, their their manager is sacked and somehow I can't see him really fitting into a, a Sean Dyche relegation dogfight team at this stage. No, no, I'm, I'm sure Dyche is just gutted that Weghorst has already got a new club. But, you know, you, you, you were bang on about you were bang on about Iqbal then. I've actually looked into that today. He's only played eight games in any kind of age group this season because, I'd say, he's kind of just in a in a purgatory. He's, he's almost too good for the under-21s at this point, but not quite good enough for the seniors. So it, it does seem like it'd be great for him to go out on loan. But, you know, time will only tell on that front. There's still a three or four days left in the transfer window. And, of course, if you want to keep up to date on everything that does happen or does in fact, in the window, you could, you know where to go. It's over at manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester United. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will bring this episode of the Manchester is Red podcast to a close. Thank you all very much for listening. And I will do my job now, Rich. Thank you very much. If you want to watch this show in living colour and see the bed that Rich is desperately trying to get rid of, so give him a holler, just go over to our brand new YouTube channel. You've you've kind of been going over there in droves. We're already over 1,000 subscribers now. So if you'd like to add to that list and see all the great content, that is um, going on over there then that we'd be very much appreciative that is uh, Manchester Evening News dash Man United of course you can get us on Twitter at Man United MEN and our Facebook page is Manchester Evening News dash Manchester United and you know get all that sweet sweet content over there but until next week ladies and gentlemen when we talk about United versus Reading it's goodbye for now ta-ra ta-ra